Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. If there's one legacy I want to give my children, it's a healthy planet, which is why I'm delighted that this episode is sponsored by Little Freddy, an award-winning baby and toddler food brand who are on a mission to bring flavour and nutrition back to baby food whilst helping to look after our planet. Their pouches are made for those who want to do their bit for the world without having to compromise on taste or nutrition. As part of their big green plan, they're the first brand in the UK to have launched a new zero-waste-to-landfill recycling scheme, so nothing goes to waste. Little Freddy have made this scheme simple and free for parents, and you can now recycle your pouches and be in with the chance of winning some fantastic prizes, including a year's National Trust family membership over the next 10 weeks through their Pouches for Prizes competition. Visit their website at littlefreddy.com to find out more about how to enter and the prizes that are on offer every week, and message at littlefreddyuk for your free recycling bag. Hello and welcome to The Parenthood. Today's podcast is slightly different to our usual ones in that rather than having a medical professional sharing their expertise, I've got someone who has developed a sharp understanding of the challenges our children's generation face through running her own business and employing young people as well as bringing up her own children. Susie Glasky is a health coach alongside mothering her three children who are now 21, 18 and 13. Susie and I were introduced by a friend and got talking about the challenges young people face in the real world today and how often mainstream education and modern parenting struggle to equip our children for real life. Susie, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a big topic that we're talking about. It's huge, yes, and I'm so glad to be here with you. So uh, what I'd love to just talk about first is, you know, your experience as a business owner employing Mm -hmm. young people and finding that the skills you sort of took for granted were not necessarily there. What were you finding? Okay, so um, I first want to say before I start, (laughs) because I think it's so easy to disparage a whole generation and get into that whole snowflake thing. And I don't think that's helpful. I think it's really, really dispiriting and disempowering. So I'm I'm not going to go down that. And I don't believe it because I I know a huge number of young people who are amazingly driven and talented and hardworking. Having said all of that, there has been a shift. um, And I know that just not from my own experience, but from um, the number of boss, other bosses that I talk to and through my work as um, doing a lot of corporate wellness programs for other companies. And so you hear a lot of people talking about the challenges of employing young people. Um, and I think that we need to be a lot more focused on helping young people develop resilience and grit, which won't come as a surprise to anyone who, who listens to this podcast regularly. But um, real life is really very different from what perhaps young people might be expecting when they rock up rock up their first day at work and you want your child to be the one who turns up and like thinks what can I give to this company you know how can I um what can I bring how can I give it my all you know you don't want them to be the one that's thinking well I've been paid to work till half past five and it's now 5 31 um and yes there's this urgent thing that needs doing but that's it, I'm done and I'm off. You know, that that is not the way to shine a company and no employer is going to be jumpy up and down at the thought of employing someone like that. Um, 
so you you want them to come with a, a really good attitude, um, not a sense of entitlement of, of what can this company do for me. I don't think that is helpful. Um, and a sense of their own of humility, I think, as well, because no one is the finished article when they start work at 21 or 22. They, they really aren't God's gift. You know, however bright they are, however many A stars they have collected over the years, they are absolutely on the bottom rung. You know, I started that age and I, I emptied bin bags and you know, and, and did the hoovering. And I, I would never ask anyone to do that now because I don't think it would go down very well. But I was very happy to do it. Um, and I worked my way up. And there's a great sense of achievement when you start doing the menial tasks and then work your way up. But I think it'd be good to ask them to do the menial tasks. Don't you think that kind of, you know, sorts the wheat from the chaff and just... I don't know. I slightly think I want kind of someone who will do whatever it takes. I would never yeah. ask someone to do anything that I wouldn't do myself. Yeah. But I would hate to employ someone who are like, mm, sorry, that's below me. Because if yeah. I do it and I can't do it for whatever reason, then I'd want someone else to do it. Yeah. And you say that, but I have, I remember getting in one girl for work experience. No, she wanted to do a placement, a week's placements years ago. And um, she, on the first morning, we gave her something that was a little bit, I wouldn't say it was menial. It was it was going through the newspapers. It was a very much a humdrum part of, of PR, um, which we all have to do. But she was hugely offended by that. And in fact, didn't come back after lunchtime. <laughs> she just disappeared, although she was she was supposed to be with us for a week. And my office manager was really worried. And she, called, she thought she'd had an accident, called her up on the phone, and she, she put the phone down. Um, and when I called her up later on that day and said, to, you know, how so-and-so, what? you know, what's gone on here? And she said, well, to be honest, Susie, and bear in mind, she was 19. And I was managing director of quite a big agency. To be honest, I just felt it was a complete waste of my time, you know, <laughs> my time that you were giving me such a menial task. And I said, do you know, do you realize that just last week we had another girl your age doing work experience and she, her attitude was so amazing. We actually took her down to London. We're based in Manchester and we took her around editor meetings, you know, so that was the difference. Um, so yeah, it, sometimes you do see these extraordinary um, misplaced sense of entitlement and, and of their own right, you mm. know, to be ushered into high level client meetings, which is just it's, it's preposterous, really. Yeah. I mean, and the other thing is commitment too. I think yeah. that if I commit to something, I, I turn up, I'm there. And even if I'm vomiting, I will do my best to be there because if I've said I'll be there, I'll be there. And yet I do find that sometimes there is, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who said that um, her nanny didn't turn up to work after the weekend because she got stung by a wasp at the weekend. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she just, you know, was just baffled that, that yeah. she couldn't even make something up that was slightly better than that. But there was this <laughs> totally, this idea that it was totally acceptable to miss a day of work because the day before you'd been stung by a wasp. And I'm not, like I said, you know, we're not, we're not labeling every person like that, but yes. there definitely is in some people, you know, just a, a weird relationship with commitment that if mm -hmm. it actually doesn't suit you, then you just yes. don't turn up. Yes. You're a little bit ill. You've got a little bit of a, you're a bit tired. Or you're a bit upset. You're yeah. a bit upset because um, you're criticised mm. or, or a client was a bit rude to you. But, you know, that is life and that is going to be working life for, for everybody. It doesn't matter what sector you work in, you're going to encounter problems and people being sharp with you and making mistakes and you're going to have to deal with it. You know, you can't just decide 
not to go in again because it's hurt your feelings. Um, and again, I don't want to generalize, but th- there is increasingly, there, there is that coming through um, that people feel they, their feelings have been hurt. So I think it's pretty important that people, kids are exposed to criticism early on so that they can deal with it. So it's not the first time they're criticized, it's when they are in the workplace. So is this something you're aware of as you were bringing up your children? Did you no. sort of take your work experiences and say, God, I must make sure that my children don't behave like this? Do you know, Marina, I didn't. I didn't. Um, it's something I've only thought about very, very recently. I was more focused on helping them. I, guess, I mean, I wasn't so focused on the academic side, maybe not as much as my husband, but um, it was all about their spelling and, and, and stuff like that. But I think just because I ran the business together with my husband, they did overhear us talking about stuff. Um, and we were always very, very keen to develop their social skills which partly I think I think mostly if I'm honest they learn from their parents just from watching their parents um and if there was one thing that I would say I I I do think that is the most important thing I think the A stars are once you're in the workplace it's just honestly it's irrelevant it's totally relevant my whole academic career I have never once been asked for my A level GCSE university certificates I could have I could have faked the whole lot and no one would be any the wiser. Yes. But what they I'm would... I'm not saying people should yes, do that. No, they shouldn't do that. They absolutely shouldn't. But but what they'll be interested in is like, this is a person who is smiley, who makes eye contact, who is dependable, who is creative, who is brave. That That is what you want in an employee. You know, you can't keep saying, well, I got an A star in... You know, it, it, no one's interested. Um, it's all about how you show up. And can you sit in a room full of people who are different from you maybe maybe they're 30 years older and they're a man and you're a woman or you know they're from a different socio-economic background and maybe they have a different worldview can you connect with them can you show them respect can you chat with them you know and and that's what it comes down to a lot of young people actually struggle because they just haven't developed those sort of skills. Um, and it's really difficult to teach later on. So I've often attempted to teach um, people in their late 20s, or early 30s, who joined my agency, how to shake hands properly, how to make eye contact, how to chit chat with people. It's very hard at that stage. It really is. You, you've got to learn it as, as a, if not as a child, then certainly as a teenager. But it's also an opportunity. I mean, I know we live in a competitive world. You know, it's something that is, if you're taught it early and constantly, it's something that you you don't need a mathematical brain to be able to engage with someone. Anyone can do it. Yes. But if you can teach your child to do it and to to confidently say hello, to engage with people from different backgrounds, Mm -hmm. they shine. They might not have got an A star in maths. They might not even have very good spelling. But out of a room of people, that child will shine. Yeah. And I was chatting about it just last night to my son, Louis, who um, is actually working now in London. Um, And he's 18. He's only 18, but he didn't want to go to university. He's now doing an apprenticeship with a a very, very prestigious, very large company uh, in management consultancy. And I said to him, Louis, do you remember that that summer when I made you do dictation every every day? Because his spelling was appalling, appalling. And every teacher in every year would say, Mrs. Glassy, you've got to get him to read. And and his spelling's appalling. And I would try and get this child to read and he, he just wouldn't. He was always a very, very obstinate child. The only thing he would read would be the Argos catalogue, which he would take to bed. That was it. Um, and um, so one summer I took it upon myself to sit down with him for half an hour every day 
and it ruined both both our summers, I have to tell you. Um, and di- get him to do some dictation from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory to see if he could const- learn how a sentence was written, how to spell, etc. Um, and I said to him, yes, I said, do you remember that? Like, do you think it helped? And he's like, mum, I, you know, I use a spell check and I do a grammar check and all our emails get sent to India for checking anyway. And, um, and I don't need basic maths. So I'm not saying, I'm, I'm still very keen on spelling and certainly you should know how to spell it's and it's there and there which is my big bugbear um but the things that I was focusing on are complete completely irrelevant and actually what he 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 won that job coming up against thousands and thousands of other people on the merits of things like his eye contact and we actually saw that when he got through to the final stage um I was really surprised when I saw the feedback and it was literally made excellent eye contact smiled engaged with the other people in the room so that's what the really good employers, that's what they want. So. It's, it's about communication. That's what, increasingly I realize that life is about communication. Every walk of life, whether you're a parent, whether it's your, with your lover, whether it's in, a, in the workplace, if yes. you can communicate yeah. well, you can persuade people to do what you want them to do, whether yes. that's employ you or love you or yes. do what you say. <laughs> yes, and empathize with them. And it's all about the emotional intelligence as opposed to the, the IQ is can you, can you read other people? you know, and can you listen to them and respect them and understand where they're coming from um, and stay calm with your own emotions and, and, and all of this. And this is the currency now. It's, it's, you know, IQ is just becoming increasingly, it's not irrelevant because of course you need a certain level, but no one wants a robot in the workplace because if you are robotic, you know, eventually th- these jobs are going to be replaced by robots. You know, that's the way things are going. But um, who are you as a person? That's, that's what's important. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. So what I'd love to talk to you about is, you know, a lot of our listeners have younger children. Some yeah. of them probably have older children uh, as well. But what would, what do you think we as parents can do to build these children that have the resilience, the integrity, the commitment, the understanding, the emotional intelligence to thrive in life? Are there any, is there anything that we could be doing to, you know, rather than the dictation, just to mm. encourage, and, and listen, I guess I'll caveat that with that some children naturally find it very easy to be confident and you yeah. tell them once to do the proper handshake and to look people in the eye and they find that really easy and some children you might be really persistent in telling them but they'll find it hard and I was definitely one of those shyer children I've not I've become much 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 less shy as I grew up but that probably didn't happen until I was sort of in my late teens early 20s that it sort of developed so I do think it's important to understand that these take these things take time and children because they're not robots do take you know mature at different rates absolutely absolutely and I see that in my my children that my youngest one is is you know she's not she's not great on the phone yet or on it but um I would hope that by the time she started work she would be able to chat on the phone because these are skills you don't pick up at school you really don't um and what I'm finding is what other people are finding is actually a lot of people are now 
scared to use a phone because they're so used to just banging out a text and they are actually very scared to use the phone and that is not helpful in the workplace uh, and I don't just mean you know in um, in PR where of course it's all about talking to other people but you're going to find yourself talking to other people whatever wherever you work um, and yeah that confidence so um, just putting them in social situations where they're exposed to maybe older people um, around a table. I mean, it's just as informal as that. Um, and yeah, it's so tempting, isn't it? it? When you have a sort of big family gathering, kids are down one end and the yes. adults are at the other end. Yes, it is very tempting. Um, but I think with a lot of it, um, I think my older kids just probably just saw us like, I'm always very fascinated in where people look, where people come from. So if a waiter, if we're out for dinner and a waiter comes to the table, I'm always like, oh, where, where's the accent? Trying to place it. So, and last night I was out with Louis and I was like, it was really bugging me. I couldn't place this accent. And she, it turned out she was from Brazil. But then you'll have a little chat. Um, and I think that's what they maybe grew up watching me and my husband do is just, just a little chat with someone and like, oh, wow, that's really interesting. And oh, I'd love to go there. And nothing you know this is not formal education but you just you kind of over time get used to the fact that it's safe to just chat to someone and um just have a bit of a moment with them where you just smile and connect and and that's what it is it's just that connection it's not about marching into a meeting and saying right let's start with going through this report you've got to connect with people first and it's just that that easy chat you know where you just connect as human beings. So I think modeling that really is the first thing because I think eventually, if they see it long enough, they will eventually do that themselves at whatever age is appropriate for them. So that, I, I think it always comes down to. It also makes life so much nicer. If everyone yeah. you talk to, whether it's the person, the news agent or the, you know, the road sweeper, you know, if you always sort of say good morning politely, it just makes your life so much happier. Did you ever watch that film about time, that Richard Curtis film? No. It was about this, it was, it was basically about a boy who could time travel. Um, but ultimately it was about sort of understanding what made life so rewarding. And there was this scene whereby he knew his father was dying and he knew it was imminent and his whole life had changed. And he sort of, when he went to get his, his lunch, um, uh, you know, at the cafe, he'd just sort of glumly give his money in. And his father said... You know, life is, is, is so much more than that. I want you to treat every social interaction with joy and with Aww. energy. And so he, because he could time travel, he went and back and redid the week and engaged with everyone, whether it was the person giving him coffee or the person, you know, that met their eye on, on the tube, just a smile. And it just made you realize quite how much richer his life was yeah. just down to those social interactions. So yeah. nothing to do with money or time yes. or job or anything. This is all free. This is all something that all of us can do. And yet it enriches riches our lives to a massive extent yeah I love what I haven't seen that and I, I love the sound of it so there's so much to to pick up on there because the first thing to say is you're absolutely right in that we do gain um happiness from those mini interactions and actually there's a psychologist I think she's a psychologist Barbara Fredrickson has written about this in that it's not just about our big relationships you know with our partner and our kids and our families but it's those little interactions where you meet someone you may never meet them again but you just both get something from it mm -hmm. um when you as you say greet them with with joy and openness and I, I think looking back at um my, my son Max who sometimes did well in exams and sometimes didn't but I, I, I'm not really I don't really attach so much pride to those things what always filled me with pride for him um, 
on on his behalf was that whenever I would meet people at the school who would say, oh, he's, he's such a lovely kid. It was the dinner lady. It was the caretaker. It was the bus driver. It was the security guard. It was the lady who helped to the office. It was always the people um, who there was, he was just lovely with everyone. And for me, that's the measure of a person. Not some essay, some A star. It doesn't say anything about you. Or not only being nice to the people you think matter. You know, there's nothing worse than someone who's sort of obsequious to the MD of the company and so rude to the interns. Yeah, Um, Yeah. or the lady on reception. And we would always ask our office manager, you know, um, sometimes she would say, you know, if we're interviewing someone, she said she was vile. You know, she was just vile. I was like, wow, that's a really big mistake. You know, I don't want anyone in my organization who looks down on, you know, my lovely, lovely lady who sits behind reception. I, you know, I don't want, I don't want that energy in my company. But you're right in terms of sort of engaging with other people from different backgrounds. It's really easy, I think, for children to think I'm only interested in children who are my age. And actually, that sort of understanding yeah. that older people are the most fascinating people because they've got way more stories. And just there is, I think, it's partly because at school you kind of engage with really just your year Mm -hmm. sometimes I remember being terrified talking to someone who's a year older than me um and actually that sort of understanding that you can friendships can emerge intergenerationally and actually if you give people the opportunity to talk very often you're just fascinated by what they've learned and what they've experienced that's the thing because everyone's got a story you know and everyone has something fascinating to share and if you're open to that I mean I'm I'm naturally very curious about people and and I love to hear their stories um and I think that's that's really really important because when you they go into the workplace they may be on a team with someone who is 20 years older and then that they have to go out for dinner with them and and you have to have the kind of intellectual curiosity to be able to chat to them about you can't talk to them about um what's on your snapchat you know or what what they're not going to be interested in your music videos that you're looking at on tiktok you you have to be able to have a bit of a broader worldview um know what's going on in current affairs for example you know to have to have that weight to be able to talk to older managers otherwise you look very immature and and silly but often you know people from different generations are just as interested in you as you know they're curious their curiosity goes both ways yes it absolutely does it absolutely does yes yeah it's a good point um so we've talked about sort of building those social skills and the importance of you know looking people in the eye how do you do that is it that you just keep on saying look them in the eye look them (laughs) in the eye or do you explain to them why it's so important how what, what do you think is the best way to well, push that point across. I, I remember actually when my boys were about sort of age 12, 13, my husband, and I thought this was such a bizarre thing to do at the time, but he actually read them, uh, Dale Carnegie's How to Make Friends and Influence People, which, which I just thought was, I've read the book actually, and it is a classic, a little bit archaic, but um, actually a lot of solid stuff in there. And it's all about letting people talk. Um, that that's what it comes down to is how do you connect with people um, and show them respect and funny enough they did actually take it on board they they did um so how so, old were they were 13 14 when, uh, they, about, when they read it about 12 13 I remember that Max never used to look people in the eye 
and he always looked a bit shifty just because he was shy. Um, and after that, and I don't know if I had anything to do with the book, but he, he did make eye contact um, and was much more open and confident. So certainly by the time you want the kids enter the workplace, you want them to be confident, independent and independent thinking because you it's not like school you can't steam in there and go and see the headmaster you 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 can't go into the workplace and sort out their problems for them they are completely on their own um so they've got to be independent a lot of schools you know they start the day with a handshake to you know the teacher or the headmaster or um and obviously that's sort of one thing I remember just telling my children who did struggle you know when you sort of meet new people especially if it's new children they'd yeah. always get, get a bit shy inexplicably so but I remember experiencing the same thing and I remember um my husband and I sat them down one day and we said you know what it's the easiest way to meet new people if you shake even if you don't feel like it give a good firm handshake look them in the eye and say hello I'm Ludo it's really nice to meet you what's your name and even if all during that literally 30 seconds you're thinking that you've started off well and it's so much easier whereas if you're hiding behind your mother or sort of not looking at them in the eye won't refuse to sort of shake their hand it's so much harder than to progress from there and Ludo tried it and he said you're absolutely right it was so much easier than to start chatting to those people than if I'd been shy and and it sort of worked and we talked about it beforehand and then we talked about it afterwards and and they said yes no this is so then it was much easier for us to remind them in the future you're going to meet this new person do you remember we talked about how you introduce yourself and how it's so much easier to go forward then when you've had a good strong introduction and I think actually that got it it wasn't like one time they saw the light and that's how they were going to be forever but it just made it easier that every time we'd have a little reminder of the importance of that kind of bold introduction I love that I love that I love the fact that they and that's such a simple thing and actually I don't think I did teach the kids at at that age but that uh, that's it I mean if you ask what can we do that's a brilliant place to start absolutely brilliant and as you say it's that repetition so maybe they'll do that if they do even you know once a month and it will get easier and the eye contact will get easier and the handshake will get a bit firmer and they will feel more confident by the time they start work, whether it's at 22, 18, they'll just bounce up to people. Mm-hmm. I'll go, hi, I'm Ludo. Mm-hmm. You know, what's your name? Where are you from? You know, and first impressions are so important you yeah. gain more in that first impression than you do you know so if you have a rubbish first impression the amount of work you have to do yeah. to rebuild people's so confidence in true. you it's so, so it's true. like a sort of it's like a sort of hack for life isn't it it is like it's, it's almost like saying right if you want an easy life go up to someone look them in the eye big bold handshake and basically they're yours yeah and, like, and actually listen mm-hmm. and actually listen to um so you're not just thinking about what you're going to say but it's like oh Oh, you're from Liverpool. Oh, do you know what? I would love to go there. And, and it's just that easy thing. It, but unless you know how to do that, interactions are very difficult and you don't, you don't get to know people. Um, and I would go so far as to say that your whole job prospects would be curtailed, your earning capacity, everything. Because as you say, everything is about human connection. We're not just talking about the golf course, you know, and corporate networking, but everything comes well, down to... romantic life. Yes, it's your relationships yeah. with everybody, of course. So it's kind yeah. of like the kind of fundamental happiness of being a human. I mean, yes. that's what marks us out against other animals is that Correct. we communicate on a way more sophisticated level. Yes. So we might as well own that. Yes. Because we can't climb trees like a cat can. Yes. You know, we <laughs> think about what our strengths are yes. as humans. <laughs> that's it. And it's, and it's reading that body. Like, is that, I know that person saying I'm fine, but are they actually fine because their eyes don't look as though 
they're, they're mm. saying they're really so and and you only develop that intuition through looking at people you can't develop that looking at your phone and saying how are you doing yes fine you know the screens remove us the screens remove us from all of that and I think that diminishes people's skills to read facial you know expressions and what I found very interesting is in the latter parts of Louis um in this um in this recruitment process there was a lot of having to read pictures of faces with the most tiny change in facial expression but that was what they wanted to know is is can this person read Mm-hmm. other people mm-hmm. god that's so interesting that they mm. do it through pictures i would have thought like conversation would suffice <sighs> well no because so much is in is in the look in the eye you know a slight mm. change in the mm. you know furrowing the brow or whatever mm. um yeah human connection <laughs> you talked about mastery building mastery what yes. do you mean by this well you know when young people enter the workplace they're going to be faced with things that they've never done before and um, it's not going to come easily initially um, and certain things they may really struggle with and they may really hate. Like I, there are certain parts of the job that I really didn't enjoy and other parts that I loved, but I had to do all of it. Couldn't just pick and choose. And if you can develop a sense of um, your own your self-efficacy, so basically um, trying things as a child that maybe don't come easily and trying and failing, they've got to fail they've absolutely got to fail um and I I see that much more now that they have got to have gone through the process of failing that I I used to think oh it's great to get all A stars isn't it you know it's brilliant but I I'm not so sure actually that never failing anything is 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 the best platform to launch into the workplace well it's often those children that get the straight A stars are the ones with sort of much more sophisticated problems later on based around the idea of the world is going to end if they don't get an A star correct yes that's absolutely right the unknown yes yes and what I found is that when people do often they do have this perfect you know run of of A stars and then when I've said oh you know I noticed you've spelled it's wrong um all throughout this piece and they've they've literally crumbled because it didn't fit with this this A star perception that they and they, they couldn't literally couldn't cope with it um so mastery is that sense of I, I, I can use my own resources to learn this. Um, and it doesn't, I don't think it matters what it is. Like I didn't, I actually didn't have musical kids. We're not, I, I wish I did, but they just weren't very musical, not particularly sporty. Um, so, but I think as long as they find something which they can push themselves to try and get better, you know, they will find something, everyone will find something that they can become better at and then get that sense of achievement you know, I did it. I pushed myself and I did it. Um, and and that way, I suppose it's better if they, it doesn't come easily to them. Yes. Because then they're showing, you know, tenacity. Tenacity. That's that's absolutely it. Um, the sense that you have an internal locus of control, that um, you can, you have got the resources to get to grips with something and that you can, you can, you can do it. So, um, and the opposite would, would be, um, I've got no idea what I'm doing. I can't cope with this. It's too hard. I'm not coming in tomorrow. So that, mm. that would be at the opposite end of the scale. Um, whereas, you know, we all have really bad days at work where maybe we'd go home and have a bit of a cry, but we would then go in the next day and then it would be a new day. Um, so mm. that's what you want. So, yeah. I mean, I, I do get frustrated because my daughter decided she wanted to take up the guitar. So we started guitar lessons and I could tell her, she's like, no, I don't want to do the guitar. I want to do the drums. And part of me thought... 
actually, no. I've just paid for a term of, of lessons. I've bought this blimmin' guitar. You've got to apply yourself to this. Um, but then part of me thought, do I really want to force her to play an instrument that she doesn't want to play? But I did... I wanted her to understand that you don't just try something and because it doesn't come immediately really easily to you that you sort of then give up and decide it's not for you. You actually do have to apply yourself a little bit more strictly. Yes, yes, because things you don't necessarily get things overnight. I mean, you don't. No one does. Of course you don't. No one does. And and I think it's a really false... To me, kind of the way I think about it now is as if you had gone on a sailing course but been at your local swimming baths and you had you know qualified with an a plus and you had your certificate but you know god help you when you actually get out on the sea if you are are you in for a rude shock so so to start working life with a sense of complacency and your own invisibility and and a starishness and then wow what a shock to see what the real world is like you know Mm -hmm. that's not a good thing so you know, real life is tough. Mm. There's no, there's no getting away from it. Um, And I think the more that kids can go through the experience of trying, failing, trying again, persisting, uh, persisting, persisting, and also having a really rough time at something and then, okay. And then they, they, then it passes, you know, the emotion passes and they're still there. And then they can think, okay, you know, and you learn from that, that life goes on. Mm. and these Mm. things pass you know as emotions do they pass and that acknowledgement too that you know the people that are really good at certain things and often you know you look at an olympic sportsman they didn't get there Usain Bolt didn't just get there because he is an amazing runner and because he's naturally inclined to be a fantastic runner he puts in the hours correct and you know if he didn't put in the hours he wouldn't be you know as successful an athlete as he is correct yeah and because we're not an athletic family the way I explain that to my daughter who's a Harry Potter I mean she just is the biggest fan in the world you know and and we'll talk about sometimes how JK Rowling like she was she was turned down by I can't remember how many different publishers but it was so many and I say can you imagine Ariella if if she hadn't kept trying and we would never have this work of genius you know which we're enjoying together so that's the way I explain it to her is you you have to go past the nose and just just keep rocking up you know um I once had an employee who employee who I sacked like on the first day because of something that we'd realized he'd done and he cleared his desk and went and then he he refused to leave the building (laughs) and my husband said oh he's he's in reception he wants to see you um and he literally said I only want to work for you and came out with this whole impassioned speech and I was like well, I'll have a think about it. And I had to think about it and decided to give him a second chance. And it, he was absolutely brilliant and worked for us for, for many years. Um, but anyone else would have just slunk off. But I, you know, it, you've really got to be have resilience. There's no question. And actually that message that you do get second chances, or yeah. at least you do if you're emotionally intelligent enough. You know, yes. you can mess up, but you can yes. also get it back. Correct. And that's when you really respect people, when they turn it around. I mean, that is an amazing story, I think, to share that, you know, this guy had, you know, the tenacity to say, I messed up and I'm so sorry and this is how it's not going to happen again. And I would have thought most people would have given him a second chance, wouldn't they? Yes. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Um, But I'm not sure. He he came with a lot of grit, actually. Um, 
and again, not particularly academic, but he'd, he, he'd been a dancer. And so that's, you get a lot of criticism and you learn to cope with it. Um, and I think, again, that learning to cope with criticism. Um, and my kids, again, not dancers, haven't had that. But um, Lou was telling me that when he'd launched an online business, when he was about 15, he'd got a lot of criticism from customers when it hadn't arrived on the day, not through his fault. And he just learned to be okay with people bad-mouthing him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and also to say, I'm, I'm sorry that you feel that way. Yes. I mean, we all make mistakes. This is how I've learned from it. Or, yeah. you know, be able to categorize it into, okay, does this criticism mean I have to change something? Or do I just have to put it down to bad luck? I'm aware mm-hmm. of it. But when you get to a certain stage, you are, you are we're all going to, things are going to mess up. You know, the job yeah. is going to be late. And it's how you deal with it then. Correct. And yes. how you respond to that criticism. Because you're right. I do think that sometimes people are afraid to criticize. Um, a lot of schools are, I mean, I remember so well, you know, um, winning, you know, prizes for the for all the children at, at sports day. And actually, I'm not sure if that's a good thing. I think you kind of need to, I mean, prize isn't a prize if it gets given to everyone. Yeah, completely. And then what that translates to, unfortunately, is young people in the workplace almost expecting a sticker for turning up to work. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas I would want to reward excellence, going the extra mile, you know, brilliant mm. attitude, really helping out a colleague, um, not just for someone actually turning up. <laughs> you know, so I think, I think we really need to have a bit of a reality check. I yeah. remember employing someone and she said, I need to talk to you. And she said, I'm just really annoyed. You just send me emails telling me what to do. I'm like, yes, because you're my employee and I, I need to tell you what I need to do. But I'm always polite. But she was just aghast that I bossed her around. And I'm not a very bossy person. I was always really polite. But the fact that I was sort of the boss and, and I was asking her to do things, she was just like, that's just not how the world works. And I was like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> I, mean I don't quite see how this is going to work. I think that is a total misunderstanding, as you say, of, of how the world works. You know, and I think we're doing our children a huge disservice if we allow them to get through education with the attitude that the world owes them and it's going to be like a lovely day at a spa going to work. Well, it's not. (laughs) It it really isn't. But I suppose too, in terms of what you're teaching your children, if we criticise our children, we can criticise them in a safe environment and we can teach them that criticism is a good thing, that actually it comes from a place of love. I often criticise my children and I say, listen, I'm not doing this because I want to be mean to you. I'm doing this because I love you more than anything else in the world and I want you to be the best possible version of you that you can possibly be so I'm sort of being honest with you because not everyone will and I think if you can reframe criticism like that and teach your children young that that's what criticism means rather than just being mean that's so useful in life when people you you criticize someone in the workplace and you say you get the response I take that on board and I really respect you for having the you know the time taking your time to tell me this and let me see what I can do rather than sulking or yes you know crying or whatever it is completely and as an employer that's exactly what I would be looking for and I would I've always gone back and said thank you thank you so much for taking this in the spirit that it was given and for showing such incredible metal and um you know such a brilliant every single time that I have heard that um and your respect for the person just goes up and up and up because of course everyone makes mistakes you know you wouldn't you wouldn't make anything if you never made a mistake you wouldn't be doing anything and you wouldn't be a productive member of the team but it's then as you say it's how do you how do you deal with that 
But also it's a way of turning a situation where you have messed up and you've been criticized into something that is, you know, an own golf, not not an own, but you know, it's a benefit for you because if your employer is saying, gosh, she really did mess up. So I'm going to talk to her. And then the response is really strong and measured. The employer ends up thinking, God, they're a great employee, even, even though they messed up. Completely. You know, it's a way of turning it into yes. a benefit for you. Completely. I mean, that, that I, would, I would go away with a whole new measure of respect for that person. Uh, completely. And that would, that would, I wouldn't really even remember what the cock-up was. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how they dealt with it. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess thinking about that criticism and, and but then talking to them about it and just yeah making sure that they get it for what it is. Yeah. You've yeah. talked about um, how, how you your children engage with children that were disadvantaged and how that was really helpful and in their understanding of different people with different challenges. What how how did you how did you frame that? How did you how how did that work for you? Okay, so. Um, I think this this is mainly my eldest son, Max, got involved with a charity uh, where we live in Manchester, where they were paired with kids who had special needs um, and would go out bowling with them, whatever, um, having a barbecue as friends. And um, I really noticed the way he would talk about them and say, oh, yes, so-and-so, oh, she's such a great girl. And um, oh, I really like so-and-so, some guy. And you, you would never, it was only when I met them subsequently, I realized that so-and-so is such a great girl has Down syndrome and can't actually speak. Um, but yet he w- had this incredible affection and respect and, and warmth towards her. Um, and that for me is very character building, you know? Um, and he, he literally is someone who treats everybody the same. Um, and I noticed this when I went back to his school a couple of years later, I was doing an assembly about charity, children's charity I run. And um, I said, Max, just come with me for moral support. So what I noticed was that a load of his teachers who hadn't seen him for quite a while, a couple of years at least, started coming into the hall because they'd heard that he was in the building. And um, I just sort of watched them all just like queuing up to speak to him. And, and that certainly didn't happen when I went back to my school <laughs> and didn't remember my name. Um, and one of the teachers said to me, let me tell you about Max. And she said, you know, I was on the Metrolink one day, which is our tram system in Manchester. And normally if there's a group of boys, there were GCSE boys, um, she, they would do anything to avoid even eye contact. They would like get off the train, get on another carriage just to avoid. And she said, your Max just came over and he walked over to me and hello, Mrs. So-and-so. And he chatted the whole, the whole 20 minute journey, just stood and had an easy chat. And you may think listening that that's well, so what, you know, that's a nothing but that to me is more important than any essay that he may well have, have written because it's taking, it's not thinking, oh, she's a teacher in a 50 years old one. It's just taking people as a, as a person, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that's a really important thing mm-hmm. to grow up with. Mm-hmm. We grow up in a very um, consumer society where it's really easy to get what we want, partly because the price of things have come down and thanks to Amazon, you know, you don't even take your credit card. It doesn't even feel like you're spending money. You get something immediately. Um, Do you think that's a good thing? No, I really, really don't. And I think that, again, what it translates to is people starting work and the next day asking for a rise, which sounds preposterous to your eye, but actually does happen, Um, which is just extraordinary that anyone could think 
that they would just like been working for two minutes and like, I deserve a rise now. But if you've all, if you've always had everything just on tap, never had to wait for anything, never had to work for anything, and you don't really appreciate the value of money, well, that's where it ends up. Um, and who wants an employee like that who's not interested in giving? It's just like, well, I deserve this, I deserve that. And they're actually quite mediocre at their job. It's just not a recipe for success. But it also takes away from some of the joy in life. I mean, I yeah. remember wanting something so much and really having to wait and save and think about it. And it made that moment that I got it so sweet. Of course. Whereas if I'd, I just said, oh, can I, can I have... I remember so well, um, I really wanted the when the witch's book, the Royal Doll witch's book came out, I was desperate to have it. And it was, you know, I had to save up my 50p a week pocket money for quite a few weeks to get it. But I, ju- I, I savoured every page of that book. Whereas... I, I guarantee you, you know, if my son said, oh, mommy, can I have the witches? I'd say, yeah, fine, I'll just get it on Amazon. It arrives the next day or we'll pop it on your Kindle. And yes, it so totally true. changes it, it's doesn't it? It's so true. And, and I think you're so right about Amazon because, yeah, and I find my my daughter just, she'll just go and it's like, oh, yeah, it's in your, it's in your checkout. But, and, and it's not even a trip to the shop, is it? It's not even like, oh, we're going to go to the bookshop and pick it. Um and I actually hadn't thought about that until you mentioned it. But yeah, it's that instant. You don't even see the money, do you? Mm-hmm. It just goes on. on Feels, I mean, I, I personally feel that everything I buy on Amazon is just free because it's just so easy. It's you, so you easy. You don't have that process. Yeah. It's terrible. I then look at my bank statements, basically just Amazon. Yes. Terrible. Yes. And I, I, you're so right. I hadn't really considered that. But but that's how I guess my daughter see that things arrive and neatly packaged. And there it is next day. Yeah. Um, it also and I don't means that we don't mend things and we don't value our oh, things because so it's so true. easy to get a replacement. So, so true. You yeah. know, the children go, oh, it's broken. Oh, we'll get another one. Yeah, and I've been really guilty of that. Me too. Um, and I, I think I've probably left it a little bit late now. Um, but yeah, oh, your school bag's a bit small or it's a bit this or it's a bit that or I'll just say, can I have another one? Yeah, sure, go and, you know, and it is this, it's so, so throwaway. Um, at the, at the end of the summer term, it was about four weeks to go till the end of term. My daughter was like, my school shoe's getting a bit tight. And I just looked at her school shoes and I was like, I do not want to buy a whole nother pair of school shoes just before the summer holidays, which is probably going to grow a yeah. size anyway. So I did actually say to her, they cost a lot of money. If you keep those shoes on till the end of term, I'll give you five pounds. Oh, and she did it. <laughs> she did it. But yeah. I, you know, on the one hand, it's kind of grotesque bribing her with five pounds to put on some two small shoes my husband was like marina i mean what about her feet and her development it's not like we can't afford the new pair of school shoes and i was like yes but i also think she needs to understand the value of money because actually they lose stuff the whole time children yeah and they're like oh sorry i lost my school jumper and actually unless they realize that that actually does cost money they're never gonna really look after their their things in this sort of you know replaceable world so actually to give them an idea that actually school shoes cost x amount and i was talking to a mum the other day who got so frustrated about her, her kids using their school losing their school uniform the whole time she said fine you are going to pay half of what it costs to replace mm-hmm. because i want you to have an idea of how mm-hmm. much it all costs yeah. and she said it was amazing suddenly they they thought no i'm not gonna leave my cardigan on the back of the chair i will mm. make sure it's there because i mean i was talking to one child who didn't bring his his jumper back and i was like well why didn't you bring it back oh it fell on the floor and we had to run for break i'm like we could have got it from the floor but because it makes no difference because it's throwaway and free and mummy will always replace yeah, it and that's not yeah. any benefit to them i agree and i've fallen into the trap myself so i'm, <laughs> I'm nodding away and i it's 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 really tough but i kind of I, I feel i have sort of yeah 
too easily mm-hmm. said okay sure you know order another one mm-hmm. um rather than no go I'm not buying another pencil flipping pencil box you've got 15 yes you know um, find one yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah and we never had that you know we just didn't have that mm. growing up we didn't have Amazon and things have changed so much and I think it's really hard for parents I don't I just can't imagine there was a tougher time for parents than this it's everything is geared towards our kids growing up being a bit introspective and a bit spoiled and, mm. and a bit you know not having grit mm. you know and taking things for granted and it's 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 really hard to go against the grain isn't it mm. Mm. absolutely um, but you know very often they are passionate about the environment and I'm never eating meat but then they lose all their stuff and they're constantly having to buy new stuff which is also not very environmentally friendly like I do think sometimes you need mm. to say to your children you're behaving like a massive hypocrite here <laughs> you know you can't go and march for climate change when we've we've you know we've just bought a ton of lego which is all plastic mm. it just doesn't marry up you've got yes. to you know you've got, got to, to be consistent exactly yeah yeah it's such a good point it's such a good point it's helping children to join dots isn't it and and take a step back and they don't really have perspective so much you know yeah. after all their frontal lobe is not fully formed and not so great at but it's planning. not ever going to be one conversation they're like oh yes of course you're totally right I am yeah. a hypocrite and now I'm not going to be yeah it's many conversations where you're sort of gradually introducing the idea so because it's all about reflection isn't it mm. they're not going to do what you say you want them to come to that conclusion on their own so, so can, right it's so know, right if you, if you can spark that reflection yes absolutely and I think that's what I've done with food obviously being a health coach I'm I'm I was always lecturing them about food and it never worked. I was always pulling out articles from, from the times about, you know, kids getting type two diabetes, whatever. And they were just like, you know, they, they never read them. They're never interested, but it was only when they learned from their own experience. Now that's a very powerful thing when you join the dots yourself. Um, so how did that happen? Well, let me see. To give you a couple of examples. So um, Max, um, he went through a time being quite chunky um, with really awful acne around the age of 15, 16. And we just thought it was the age, as you do. And what I hadn't realized was that his best friend was running a kind of black market fizzy drinks business. And Max was the schlepper who carted the drinks around and was paid in seven ups. So we didn't realize that he was like, knocking back the seven ups every day um but at some point he decided of his own accord to kind of cut out the sugar um which he did and over the course of that summer he lost two stone and skin went beautiful and he stopped being ill because he was ill very very regularly all through his GCSEs he he missed a lot of school and so he understood himself that if I eat and drink this this I feel that or my skin looks this or my weight is that and that's once you've into you felt it yourself that's very different from someone lecturing to you because and then he went to university and he was eating Domino's pizza for the first term came back with acne again he said mum it just shows it just shows it's the food isn't it and I was like yes sweetheart and I didn't need to tell him anything I didn't because he knew so that's you want your kids to join the dots themselves so sometimes when our children want to we just say right eat, eat rubbish and just see how it turns just out see how you. it turns out yeah I mean I, I my mum said to me how could you how could you let Louis get drunk 
the other when he finished his A-levels um, a few weeks ago and he just sat in the garden with a little fire with his best friend who was used to drinking and Louis had never really drunken that drunk that much and he felt horrendous the next day you know he was like mom what herbal remedies have you got I don't never want to feel like this again <laughs> um, but he learned a very valuable lesson that if you drink to excess you feel absolutely appalling the next day and he said I, I never and, and he since never I mean we couldn't get him to have a cider when he when he got his job um, and now he's in a he's in a workplace where there is a lot of drinking but he's really careful he's really careful so again he learned that from his own experience so it's not always a bad thing that and it was in a safe space he was in the garden you know I could see him <laughs> and you know he had that experience of being drunk in a safe space yeah well, again, you know, I just, I, I let my children climb trees and I mean, yeah, we're absolutely. sitting in my kitchen and you see the, the shed out there, they're climbing on the roof the whole time. But I think, you know, if they fall down, they're here where I can get them to hospital really quickly. And yeah. it's really important that they learn that you can fall off high spaces and that it yes. hurts. It's better for them to learn while their bones are malleable of course, and their bodies yeah. are healthy rather than when they're 18 and have had six beers and they uh-huh. fall off something because oh they gosh. think they're invincible. Yes. And also to assess the risk, to actually think, well, how high is that? Yes, I can do that. I think that's really important. So when Louis went traveling by himself to Laos and all sorts of places, quite young to go by himself. But I wasn't worried because I knew he would assess each risk, which he did. Because if he had the gumption to plan that trip, he had the gumption to assess risk while he was out there. Um, and he said it gave me a lot of confidence because I had to sort everything out by myself. You know, there wasn't you to go and speak to the accommodation or whatever. Um, so you basically said, you want to do this trip, fine, you organise it from start to finish. I'm not going to be... I didn't get involved. I didn't, we didn't know anything about... We knew where he was going because we knew where to where he was to contact him. But he, he did the entire thing. So he planned which countries he was going. He booked the accommodation, the, the flights, the buses, the, the trips. And then, of course, meeting people, he had to ass- assess if they were... You know, and and very few people are an axe murderer, but but he had to gauge: is this someone I want to hang around with? Um, and he did that all himself. We don't always get it right, but sometimes we change our mind. And you're right; I think trust is really important. Yeah. It's really easy in this world to think, "Oh my God, there might be an axe murderer. Everyone yeah. might be an axe murderer." And I remember growing up and being constantly told about stranger danger. I remember mm. for years being told or believing. I know I obviously wasn't told this that kidnappers wore mirrored sunglasses because they could look the other way and pretend oh. they were looking a different way. And I remember being terrified of, like, when I went skiing, the guy like handing me the ski lift who had his mirrored sunglasses. I was convinced he was a kidnapper. But there was this <laughs> this whole fear around the sort of stranger danger mm. that definitely took a few years to to sort of realise, okay, let's think about it. Very few people are going to abduct a child, you know. And it's the same when you, you grow up and you have your own children. It's a huge, huge trust. The, the first time you leave your baby with someone, you think, well, what if they're, what if, you know, what, what if they're a bad person? And I just... I always say to people, like, you've got to trust people. You've got to go out into life thinking this is going to be okay. And also model that to your children. Because if they go out into the world thinking, distrusting everyone, then they're not going to want to go to school. They're not going to want to go on play dates. They're not going to have a happy life. Because everything is anxiety forming. Mm -hmm. Yes, I completely agree with that. Yeah, I think it's so important to foster that positivity. Um, And one thing I like to do with my daughter, I wish I'd done this with my boys, but they were too big by the time I thought of it, is to end the day thinking of three things that she's grateful for. Um, and it's just a really nice way to float off 
to sleep. Mm, mm, um, absolutely. I always write down like the things that made me happy in the day. Yeah, the I do that day. too. And you know what? I think it always makes me sleep better, but also makes me remember those really funny little stories. Like I was, uh, we were driving back from the country, I have my sister's uh, kids in the car as well. And we were listening to a song and the lyrics were like, I wasn't a cool kid. And I said to all the children in the back, I was like, do you think I was a cool kid? And there was sort of silence. <laughs> and then my niece, who's seven, goes, yeah, you're probably cooler than you are now. <laughs> and it just made me laugh so much. And that's the kind of thing that I would forget. But actually, I wrote it down and I know I'll never forget it. Yes, that's right. And I think if you know that you've got to recall those things at the end of the day, you kind of are on the lookout for those. So it changes the whole lens that you view things that Mm -hmm. happen during the day. Because we all have this negativity bias where we tend to stick to the, the less positive things. But if you can train your brain to always recall them at the end of the day you notice them more and Mm. I think you enjoy them more. And I guess that can also be, you know, tailored to your child. You know, I have a child that is a pleaser and if anything, he struggles with failure and learning from his mistakes. And so what we do at the end of the day is we talk about like where he sort of, you know, failed in the day so that he's not afraid of it. So that that's always framed with the positivity. You know, you whatever it is you didn't score the goal in in football but at least you had a go and actually you were a good team member and it wasn't the end of the world because they scored another goal anyway and it's a game remember it's a game of football it's not you know whether or not you're going to live it's um and I think that is really important to sort of think about what your child needs to take from the day and whether that's reassurance whether that's positivity whether that's gratitude or whether that is sort of reframing failure and sort of adapting your last conversation with them at night according to how they best grow from the day whether that is failure or success I really like that I wish I'd done it (laughs) well he's still a pleaser so uh I'll let you know how that goes (laughs) it might do nothing but you never know I think it will Susie thank you so much for for chatting to me today you mentioned that you are a health coach do you um support people face to face or is it online um yes um face to face or on skypes I work with people all over the world and do a lot of group coaching and corporate coaching um and I'm actually just starting to write a book that I hope will I have Louis in my head which will be for for anyone who's going into the workplace it's the things that I wish I had known that someone has sat me down and told me all the things that I would need to look after myself to be able to thrive in the workplace so I'm gonna marry up all my experience as a boss as a consultant and also as a health coach and just put it down in a very practical way so that's my project at the moment oh what well, sounds amazing <laughs> we'll definitely have you back on the Thank parenthood you. to talk I'd about love that to come back what's your website where, where can people find out a bit more about you so it's peppermintwellness.co.uk and i'm on instagram and facebook and yeah i'd love you to come and say hello um and yeah hopefully i'll meet you there Perfect. (laughs) Thank you. And thank you all for downloading another episode of The Parenthood. You can subscribe, rate and review us, which really helps other people find us and boost us in the charts, which is always a good thing and something that makes us very happy. You can also follow me on Instagram. I'm at marina.fogel. But in the meantime, from Susie and me, thanks for listening and goodbye.
Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.